Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the pet sitter guru and founder of Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pet Biz Hive podcast. Just wanted to do a little review of something fun that Michelle Klein and I did last week. We actually did a little bit of a co-presentation Q&A all about how to best take advantage of working with the medical community. Now, this is something that she has talked about before in her own group, and one of the specialties that she has kind of had to boost her midday dog walking business in the Winston-Salem area. Now, she has since uh, sold her dog walking business successfully, which is fantastic. But when I did a little demographic study with my clients, I found out I had some really great opportunities to work with my current client base in the medical community. Now, one of the first things that I had really discovered and that we had spoken about was how important it is to truly understand your own client base. And we can do that through, of course, a little bit of a demographic survey. Don't know if you've ever done that before, but it's pretty easy to do within Google Drive. There's um, SurveyMonkey, I think MailChimp does them. Uh, A lot of different ways that you can create a form like this. My own CRM, I can create a form, but I just find Google uh, Forms to be very easy to create, customize, and of course, roll out. And then it's really simple to gather your responses together, either in individual format, Google Forms does a wonderful chart format for you, but you can also have it immediately import into Google Sheets, which is another option for you if you need to sort your data that you get from your survey. So let's kind of chit chat first about the survey process itself. Why would you want to do something like a client demographic survey? Now, I have only been doing these every couple of years, but I always find them truly valuable. It had actually been a period of time since I had sent anything out. Uh, Actually, probably pre-pandemic was the last time. And I really wanted to connect with, of course, my current client demographics and also the psychographics. So your demographics or your general things that you think of, it's, uh, you know, how old are you? Are you married? What is your household income? Uh, Where are you from? You know, just those kind of, you know, straight up demographics. But I always like to include some psychographics into my surveys. Now, psychographics are really going to be digging more into that person's, their values, the way that they think, what they find important in life. And so I like to construct my own surveys around both of those items. And that can really lead you in a lot of different directions when you're looking at analyzing your client base. So first of all, I'll talk about some of the questions that I like to put in my own and specifically why I choose these specific questions. 
Um, when you're really looking at the results of a survey, you want to start out really having a purpose for the survey. This isn't just finding out, okay, hey, what percentage of my clients are, you know, in wealthy neighborhoods and where should I target people? Uh, especially in our business, it's a very personal business. It is a personal service business. So we really need to find out just a little bit deeper into what our clients hold as important, uh, what they do value using the psychographic kind of analysis. And then of course, using demographics. If you see patterns in your clients, then that can guide you to uh, perhaps the areas that you want to spend more of your marketing dollars. Now in my own surveys, I choose to uh, send it out to the top 20% of my clients because when I do my analysis every time, the top 20% of clients, of course, there's the concept of the Pareto's principle where you know 20% results in 80% of your value. It's actually not too far off. I don't know if you've run a top 20% of your clients lately, but mine usually runs 65 to 70%. So the top 20% of my clients, so simple math, if you have 100 clients, that would be the top 20 revenue generating clients over the past rolling 12 months. Uh, my top 20% is 65 to 70% of my overall company revenue. That top 20%, you have to consider those are the people that very much need your service. They value your service. They appreciate your service. And they are typically going to be your ongoing clients. Uh, these will be your midday clients. This will be your regular support services that you are at their home a lot helping them with their pets because they cannot. These will be your frequent business travelers. So they are the ones that they need you. You are, you are their connection to being able to know their pets are taken care of when they're not there. And so in that case, they are usually the ones that are going to be most appreciative. They are also going to be generally most willing to fill out a survey, especially if you phrase it as really being able to benefit your business and the type of services that you're able to provide them. The top 20% is really a great amount to look for. Now, a lot of times when you send out surveys, you're going to have pretty crappy response with the general survey. I do recommend making sure that you're very casual in your messaging, framing it that they are certainly helping our business be better for them. Additionally, I choose to offer a donation to a local rescue. Of course, my business is framed around a giving program. That is really what we're based on is a social responsibility of giving back. So every service that we provide to our clients, we do provide a meal to a local um, animal shelter in return. So we do have two shelters here that we donate to regularly. Our clients are very much behind that. Many of our clients choose us because of our one-for-one -one giving model. And frankly, a lot of employees choose us because we do have a focus that is bigger than just a J-O-B, right? So we ended up with about a 50% response rate. So that is pretty good. Uh, it really depends on the relationship that you have with your clients. And again, the messaging that you put out there. 
never hurts to have something like that where they see that it's going to benefit more than, of course, just your personal business. So with the questions that we put out there, um, we had several different, and I had very, very intentional reasons for the way I phrased the questions and the actual questions themselves. In this most recent one, of course, I did ask them, well, instead of asking them what age range they are, that's typically the way you'll see a demographic study, I specifically asked what generation they were. And then I did ask them what their top two social media channels are. Now, why do you think I asked that? You know, I know so many of us feel like we have to be everywhere and we have to be everything for everyone. But really in marketing, you want to take the top two, maybe three social media channels where your ideal client is hanging out. So if you have, um, you know, if you have a, a business to business, a B2B where you are selling to other businesses, LinkedIn is probably going to want to be those priorities for you. You know, if you're a younger population as your client base, then you're probably going to hang with Snapchat. Um, Twitter, I'm not quite sure who uses Twitter anymore. I never really enjoyed it in the first place. Not at all surprisingly, uh, Facebook and Instagram were the overwhelming favorite out of my top 20 client base. And thankfully, that's where I am already. Uh, TikTok, I mean, there was a little bit of movement on TikTok, but uh, I know many of you are on TikTok, and that is something that you really, truly enjoy. And, uh, you know, if the ROI is there, then that is wonderful. But I just want to make sure, you know, not to spread yourselves too thin. That's why it's great to get the pulse on your own client base to find out where they are hanging out. And then, of course, we like to find out in general, you know, what kind of pets they have that we're taking care of. You know, we generally know that we're currently 96.5% dogs and cats. We do love the extra fun ones. You know, we just got some uh, little ducklings today and we all get terribly excited over that or chickens or goats or horses. But, uh, of course, that is really uh, uh, from a you know, our industry perspective, that's a demographic. And then I did put some psychographic questions in there. I asked them if they currently support any local nonprofits on a regular basis and asked them who it is. Um, of course, I specified it doesn't have to be pet related. The answers are all very interesting. Of course, it is widely spread across the board, but that is really getting an idea of what people do value in their life because where their money goes that's where their passion and values follow so that was a very interesting question with the responses that i received not an extraordinary amount that i can do with those but it tells me what people's belief systems and values are and um, i still have to analyze the threads that ran through that to see if there's any commonalities because of course my best people if I start to see some sort of a common language I'm going to make sure that I reflect that back to them and then very important questions I asked why they continue using our service and then I followed that up by what would tempt you to try 
a different service. Now, these were really intentional questions, and I constructed them a bit like some of the new movement that, uh, I don't know if it was started by Adam Grant, the professor at Wharton Business School, or from some other location. He was the first one I had heard this from about doing, uh, instead of doing exit surveys with your employees when they're on the way out the door, doing stay surveys instead, where you take that opportunity to do a questionnaire with them and find out why they do stay with your business. What is their connection to your business and why does that resonate with them um, and, and their value systems? Because of course, that's a little bit of what we have here in the pet industry. A lot of people are working as dog walkers and pet sitters for very specific, sometimes heart-centered reasons. So I, I do like to find out from staff, we do this with staff, but also with clients, why are they with us and what would ever tempt them to try a new service? Now, the answers were really fun to those. We were giggling over those in the office. Uh, there were just very few people who kind of gave an actual realistic what would tempt them to try a new service like you know basically if we sucked if we dropped the ball if we jacked up our prices those kinds of things but generally we got some between those two questions some very hmm, well thought out responses with their own words as to what our value is as a company we can then take that, of course, the amazing ones. We can ask for that to be potentially a nice built-out testimonial. Uh, if there's someone who has not done a review, we can directly ask them to put that out in a Google review for us. But it gives us the words. You know, we always sit back and we try to think in marketing, like, what is that customer's pain point? What do we actually provide for them? We provide to them dog walking and pet sitting services, but what does that provide for them? And there is nothing better than using their own words in your messaging. So that is a couple of great questions for you. Then we kind of went back to the demographics, you know, marital status, very interesting to find out. We did ask if they have children, um, like two-legged children, not four-legged children. Surprisingly, we had 46% of respondents have never had children before. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, society is changing a bit to that, but it was interesting to see. Uh, and when we were drawing some of the connections between, we did find that a lot of our top clients were your dinks, dual income, no kids, right? That was something that we had guessed weren't quite sure, but that is something that a demographic survey can actually let you understand a little bit more where your top clients are hanging out. 
we did ask specifically what their occupation is. I love to network and uh, being able to be a connector between people has been something I've been passionate about for, you know, well over a decade when I started my networking education. Back with a BNI chapter many years ago, probably 14 years ago now, I guess. And just getting the opportunity to find out what kind of resources we have in our own client base. This is where I started to see how many we had in the medical community. So that was a little bit of an aha moment for me, right? Then we, of course, had what was your total household income last year? And I do have a lot of ranges on here. And then I had one. I was, you know, I had my questions. I had some, you know, kind of humor in my questions. So it would keep them engaged as they were going through. And so I had one that basically said booger off. Uh, and of course, we did have some people that chose that, which is completely fine. I gave them that opportunity. I did not want people to feel any stress as they were filling this out or feel like it was too invasive. But we did have... A large percentage that did select. I think maybe 25% declined to mention what their total household income was. And uh, of course, we did ask them, which of our two groups would you like your $10 donation to go to? And then at the end, and this was one of the most crucial things that you need to always put in a survey, is put an ask in there at the end. You possibly don't know what kind of resources exist in your own client base. Again, these are, especially if you do that top 20%, these are people that know you, that trust you, that value you, that appreciate you, that put money in your account in exchange for services. This, this is market appreciation in these people. And because we are such a personal industry, they want to help you but they can't help you if they don't know how. That's why it's always very important to ask for reviews. Don't just expect them to review your business if you're not asking and letting them know how important it is. And with this last question that you can include on your survey, tell them how much this can help you and ask them if they have any connections. Now, I like to get specific in this. If you just ask somebody, hey, do you have anybody that you can refer me to? That might not cause something to come up in their minds. But if you give them triggering words, if you let them know specifically what you are looking for, even the most specific asks, you never know who they might know and if they're willing to open their Rolodesk for you, for those of you that actually remember what a Rolodesk is, I just dated myself, right? But for those that are willing to open their Rolodex for you, getting specific is the best thing. So in our question, we specifically asked for, you know, if there are discount programs for employees where they work if they have connections in facilities, if they have connection in the medical uh, community, if they have relationships with case managers uh, in hospitals, uh, so many different things that you can put in that last question as just like we would so appreciate it if you have any sources personally or professionally where we can share what we do for amazing pet parents like you. 
and they are going to be willing to help you. So that is my really long discussion about the client demographic survey and how important that is and how it can really help you direct, of course, your marketing. And it can help you make better connections within the resources that you already have. Now, you can watch this replay that we had, um, that I had with Michelle. This is, of course, you can find it on the Pet Biz Hive Facebook group. And then you can also find it on Michelle's group. And um, I would really recommend watching that just to kind of go through it. Because when I found out some of my medical resources, uh, especially in resident programs in the area, I remember her saying in one of her webinars that that was really one of her specialties and one of the things that she did focus on in her own dog walking business. So I reached out to her and she was kind enough to really set up this broadcast as a Q&A and um, a bit of a coaching moment for me, giving me ideas. I got the chance to, to pick her brain on the live and we were able to answer a lot of questions for other people that were on that little I don't know, workshop, Q&A, webinar. I don't know what it was. It was spontaneous and fun. But, you know, then a couple of the other things that you can think about if you're looking at working in the medical community. We have also gone to uh, HR departments and we've had them list us, of course, on their benefit sheets for employees. If you have a dog training business, there is a wonderful opportunity to get in with your maternity ward, your labor and delivery department. Uh, if you contact some of the educators in there and explain that you really have a specialty and a passion for working with families that are going to be bringing home a baby for the first time, develop some easy resources for them, and you could more than likely have an in the door to be able to briefly pop in on some of those uh, childbirth classes that they might have or even have materials that can go inside the information folders when uh, mamas and dads are doing hospital tours. So just another little thing that you can think about within the medical community, which is another one of my passions. I'm a registered nurse myself, love the medical community love supporting our physicians and our nurses that work these god-awful hours because I want to make sure that I can ensure the connection between pets and people and many times the medical community really struggles to be able to have well mostly dogs cats of course is a little bit easier when you have a 12-hour shift unless you're one of mine who needs to be touched all the time but for the most part a lot of them aren't able to have pets, especially if they don't have any other family clothes. So you can kind of be that liaison for them so they can still have pets and that kind of fulfillment in their lives and still work their amazing and crazy schedules. So hopefully this has helped you out a little bit. I recommend that you all get out there and you do a demographic survey on your clients as soon as possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetSitterGuru.com. What is your next best move? <laughs>